Hi guys, it's episode five, I think, of the beauty of ugly. I think it's episode five. It's probably not a good sign if I forget like which episode it is. Or maybe it is good. Maybe it means uh, I've had quite a few episodes already. Or it could just mean that I have a bad memory. Uh, but let's not have all these negative reinforcements. I have a good memory. Right, quick one on local politics. Since the last episode, we talked a lot about that. Just to wrap up, we have a new MSAC chief. I think the old one quit. And there's a new cabinet. And a good thing about it is none of the people with uh, corruption cases uh, or criminal cases against them are actually in the cabinet, which we were kind of afraid of, you know, because this is Malaysia. But apparently there is one guy with a fake degree as one of our ministers and that's always happening. So what are you going to do, right? So anyway, all right, that's it for local politics. I'm not going to talk about it for a while until something major happens. Uh, let's talk about some other stuff. Actually, last episode, I forgot to mention that I was on someone else's podcast. I was on uh, my friend Stephen Bones podcast. Uh, his podcast is called Stephen Bones Everything. And uh, we had a lot of fun. Stephen Bones is actually a very interesting guy. And we were kind of good friends. But I didn't really know him until I started listening to his podcast. And he talked a little bit about his uh, personal life. And then I felt like, wow, this guy is uh, pretty interesting. And uh, and since then, I've been uh, trying to get him to come to uh, some of our comedy shows. Because he's a comedian as well. He's a stand-up comedian. And... Uh, voice talent and he sings in a band and uh, a really multi-talented guy but also kind of an introvert which i found out about on his podcast and really it's so interesting that he's an introvert but he has all the skills that an extrovert would have like he's got a great voice he's great at talking to people and a natural talker as well but then he feels like after he's done all that, he's got to go home and recharge at home. And I never realized this about him, like um, like he's so sociable, and, but it's like really draining as well. Um, so yeah, we had a lot of fun talking on his podcast. Uh, we talked about a bunch of things. So uh, I'm not even going to say what we talked about because I don't remember <laughs> what we talked about. But um, I remember that I had a lot of fun. We uh, We had a lot of fun. And it was actually much easier to do a two-person podcast, at least uh, for me, because I was on his podcast. I didn't have to do anything. I just had to talk to him. And uh, it was easier than having just one person like what I'm doing now, like talking to you guys. Uh, it sounds like I'm just like sitting and talking, but actually I do have some plans put into it. You know, there's, I do do my homework. I have a sheet of paper in front of me with some topics uh, lined up that I might or might not talk about uh yeah so and then uh and then i record this thing and sometimes the first recording doesn't go well and then i have to redo everything uh i could also edit it you know just edit out the parts that are um not so smooth uh but mm, editing is really like tedious so i i like to just redo everything if i can yeah so check out stephen bones podcast i I'll put the link in the description. Stephen Bones Everything is a very good podcast. The best episode is the one with me in it, of course. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm really not good 
at this, you know, I always feel self-conscious when I do this kind of self-promotion. My wife is super good at it. And I'm like, just, yeah, if you feel like coming, just come and watch the show and, and uh, yeah, make, make up your own mind, you know. If I'm good, come again. If I'm not, then I'll never see you again. And that's fine, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's laissez-faire, right? Uh, it's a free market. But my wife is always like, no, you got to promote yourself. You got to hustle. You got to get out there. And so, yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say all the Stephen Bones podcast episodes are good, but start with the one with me in it, and then uh, it all goes downhill from there. <laughs> what else has been happening? Uh, I've been going to the comedy shows almost every night this past week. Last Friday, we had the, I performed at the Joke Factory, which I haven't done in a while. Um, yeah, we had the Dirty Show at the Joke Factory. I was at the show with uh, my friends. Papi Zach was the host, uh, and then my other friends, uh, Sulaiman, Brian Tan, Peter Sidel, Kiran Baladevan, uh, Sulaiman Asmail, I meant. And the best part of that show was there was a lady sitting in front who was really interesting. She wasn't laughing at the jokes, so the first few acts had it a little bit hard because we were trying to figure out why isn't she laughing, you know? And uh, luckily, uh, Brian went on b before me, so I asked him, Brian, uh, you were doing so well. You had the whole crowd with you. Everyone was having a good time. Um, was the lady in front uh, laughing? Because uh, Peter said like, it looked like she wasn't enjoying any of the uh, jokes like the whole night. And Brian told me, oh, don't worry about her. I think uh, what it is is she's like my auntie who... Uh, who doesn't laugh at jokes. She enjoys the jokes quietly. So I thought, okay, so that kind of, you know, put me, made me a bit more relaxed about her. So uh, I went up there thinking like, you know what, I'm probably not going to make this lady laugh, but I'm just going to have fun anyway. And that really uh, made me more relaxed, not so panicky. It's still hard for me sometimes to go on stage. I, I try to be as relaxed as I can because that's what, the job requires, right? But at the same time, I'm human and there's still doubt sometimes. And it's also part of my personality to question everything about myself. I'm very uh, self-reflective. So uh, I went up there and uh, I realized that actually this lady was very interesting. I think she responds to humor, to irony, and to sarcasm in a different way like she doesn't laugh at it she just makes like an eye roll and which is like you know it seems like she's she really hates it but it's just her trained response it's just maybe her family just has like lots of people who make bad jokes or whatever and she's just trained to make an eye roll each time which is really off-putting if you don't really know it but then after like halfway through the show, I, I was in the second half, so by that time we figured out that she was a very cool lady. She was uh, a good sport, you know, <laughs> we made some jokes uh, at her <laughs> expense. <laughs> like, And then all her friends that she came with laughed as well because they know her. And uh, so overall, it was a great show. And uh, after the show, we talked to her and I realized uh, and I found out that actually she was uh, the club owner's friend. The Joke Factory uh, belongs to Harith Iskanda. It's a great uh, comedy club. And she uh, was Harith's friend, and he sat her right in front. And uh, actually, her son and daughter-in-law has been going to the club many times already, like without her. 
And then she realized that, oh, you've been going to Harif's club. Harif is my friend. He has a comedy club. Okay, I'm coming with you. So all of a sudden, this young couple, uh, you know, they, they were really stressed out about it. They were trying to enjoy the show, but at the same time, it's like, oh, my mom is here. How is she going to behave? And that's understandable, no matter who your mom is, and especially if your mom doesn't laugh at jokes, right? So we made fun of that a little bit, and after the show, we kind of apologized, and they were cool about it, you know. Very nice family. Thanks for coming to the show, Emmanuel and Jean. Yes, I'm still working on this name thing that I talked about in a previous episode. Still trying to get better at that aspect of myself. Um, yeah, so it's been a very fun week. Uh, lots of comedy shows. Uh, I want to mention one show that I didn't go to, but it's run by my friend Juliana Hing, the all-women's comedy show. And this week, they had 19 women on the show. Um, good turnout, great show. And I think uh, this weekend, there's also another all-women's show. Let me just look this up real quick. Okay, so... Yeah, now that I mentioned an all-women's uh, comedy show, uh, I should mention also that tomorrow, 13th of March, uh, Friday, uh, there's going to be a Queens of Asia comedy show. It's going to be great. It's going to have uh, the Queen of Malaysian comedy, Joanne Kam. It's going to be there. Uh, probably the best female comic in Singapore, uh, Sharu Chana, is going to be there. Uh, Yumin. Nagashima from Canada is going to be there. She's very funny as well. And uh, who else? This Aditi Mittal from India. And uh, I saw some of her videos and she's very funny as well. Um, so yeah, uh, Queens of Comedy tomorrow night, which is Friday night, uh, 13th of March at the HGH Convention Center. I'll put a link in the description as well. Uh, so yeah, back to my friend Juliana Hing and her 19 women comedy show. I think it's a sign that we are maybe ready for a weekly all-women open mic show. Although like maybe a few more comics. I, but I feel like we're at the breaking point where... Breaking point is probably <laughs> the wrong choice of words. Um, we're at the... Maybe we're at the point of a critical mass where we are able to attract more and more women to comedy because women are dis in a way discouraged from doing comedy because they see like so many men at comedy shows, you know, at the open mics. So if you're a guy, you don't even think about it. You just go to it and you're like, hey, okay, so what's the problem? Just do it here, right? But then as a woman and you have to go to a show and it's full of guys and and the, the humor that guys do, you know, that people laugh at is different from the humor that uh, that is acceptable coming from a woman as well. So that's, that's that thing. And then uh, the other thing is actually, um, it's also very intimidating because like you're, you have to worry about sexual harassment, right? which is actually a thing in comedy, uh, in, ent in t entertainment that nobody really talks about much. But in recent years, I guess we, we saw like, um, one of my favorite comedy heroes is actually Louis C.K., but he turned out to have been, you know, had many cases of uh, sexual misconduct. 
and um, so when that was happening uh, three years ago two 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 years and a bit maybe when that was uh, revealed I actually asked some of my friends who are female comics here in Kuala Lumpur and I asked them like um, you know as guys we don't really see that side of things or we don't really think of it that much does this happen locally as well and it was revealed that yeah there is a bit of like hanky-panky going on people taking uh, advantage of women and uh, you just gotta be smart about it and deal with it but at the same time it does exist and that just kind of blew my mind because uh, all along I thought like hey you know we're all friends here we are all having a laugh and it's all you know fun and games but then uh, there are predators out there and uh, we got to look out for our friends. And uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's not easy being a woman in the entertainment industry. And definitely it's not easy being a stand-up comedian, a live performer as a woman in Kuala Lumpur and in Asia and basically around the world. So yeah, kudos to uh, Juliana Hing uh, for her all women comedy show and actually Juliana I hope you guys uh, really support her because um, because the all women comedy show sometimes doesn't get the exposure that it needs sometimes and uh, so I'm glad that uh, things are picking up uh, what else has been going on my my friend Peter Sedell visited this week he's been living in Japan for uh, 17 years somewhere near Tokyo in a place called Chigashima. So um, last time I saw Peter was years ago and um, he was like me. He was kind of like a little bit of a storyteller, uh, um, you know, sharing funny anecdotes. And this time he was a one-liner. He's been writing one-liners. He feels like that's more his style and he really enjoys uh, one-liners. Although uh, sometimes as a one-liner, when you perform, especially in places that are not so used to stand-up comedy or all forms of stand-up comedy sometimes people feel weird about it they're like everyone else is just talking off the cuff how come this guy is giving me written jokes you know so there is that but then once i guess after some time you you really learn to appreciate the, the effort and the thought that goes into the writing of uh, one-liner jokes and so, yeah, it's been great fun. We had a lot of fun. Uh, Peter and I, we were in shows together all week. And um, he has an interesting way of traveling where he, um, for the first few days, he would stay at a backpacker's hostel and just hang out with uh, other travelers and compare notes with them, kind of, you know, figure out the local area through their eyes a little bit. And then the rest of the day, he trips himself to a nice hotel. And uh, while he was at the backpackers, he met another traveler who is... Uh, uh, I'm not sure how much I should say about this because uh, this... Yeah, anyway, I'm, I'm going to talk about it. This is the beauty of ugly, right? I'm not going to hide anything. So yeah, let's get into it. This guy, he was a nice, friendly guy, seemed very normal at first. And then as we spoke... Further on, he was telling us that he was like, he started a company in the year 2000 
and I'm like the year 2000 you're about 20 like you'd be a baby back then but anyway uh, even just forget about that part but like since the year 2000 he's had this uh, tech company or this uh, I guess IT company or tech company and it is better than Google but it never really got very far because of some conspiracy against him and since then he's been recruited or his company's been recruited to build weapons for some country and uh, he's probably gonna be targeted if someone's listening to this podcast and if he's all if it's all true but it all also seems kind of wacky so uh probably not but um yeah i should probably not reveal too many details so i'm not even going to mention his name uh but dude if you're listening to this uh i'm gonna be honest uh it's uh i can't really believe everything you say you probably know i'm talking about you anyway so um cool but uh, he, we talked about some stuff over supper, uh, which is our kind of ritual sometimes after a comedy show. And he had this interesting theory when we started talking about, you know, um, building weapons and signs and like evil people getting their hands on like things. So the worry is always evil people get their hands on something that scientists built. But then I asked the question, what if... The scientist himself is evil, you know, like an evil genius who comes up with something. And he had this interesting theory that actually uh, evil people cannot do it because evil people cannot be creative. I think the way he was explaining it was like, you have to have a certain uh, point of view, a certain worldview or a certain belief system uh, to be creative. And evil people like selfish people do not have that uh do not have that worldview do not have that uh belief system and it sounds overly simplistic but at the same time i can see it a little bit you know cuz i i realized this uh with regards to joke writing or with regards to writing um i feel like in my experience, creativity is a little bit like a belief system. That part I believe. Uh, because I don't see it as so much like you either are born with it or, or you're born without it, right? I feel like, like for me, sometimes I hear people telling me, you know, there are no such thing as an original idea. It's all in the execution. So I would see like people doing variations of other people's jokes because, you know, why bother? Everything has already been tried, right? Why, why crack your head oh, trying to figure out something new, trying to discover something new? Because uh, there is nothing new. Everything has already been tried, right? But then for me, I don't like that point of view. So I choose, in a way, I choose to have the point of view that uh, there are still ideas out there that are unexplored. We just haven't explored them yet, you know. Nobody has explored them yet. So those ideas are still available. They are rare, and it's a um, million and one chance that you would come across them, but they are out there and they exist. And so it's kind of like a very maybe hopeful, wishful way of thinking. But 
I think you do need it in order to open your minds up to possibilities, and then like the ideas will come to you. I really believe this. So that's, I mean, that's my way of looking at creativity. So it was interesting talking to this guy. And then, as we spoke a little bit more, we realized that, like, uh, he's a very religious person or spiritual person. Um, he asked this question. He said, "In most people's idea of God, like across all religions, what is the most fundamental power that God has?" And so we thought about it, and we were like, "Okay, is it omniscience? You know, the the power to know everything? Is it?" Uh, omnipotence, the power to do everything, and that wasn't really the answer he was looking for, and uh, is it the power of creation, maybe he can create anything he wants, and that turned out to be the answer that he was looking for, he said, yeah, it is creation, because God can create anything, right, that's, uh, so, so when we talk about creativity, he kind of like links it to God, and I thought like, well, okay, but I can give you the atheist point of view, Here's where I reveal to all you guys that I'm actually kind of an atheist. I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm either an atheist or I am agnostic. And I don't really remember the difference between the two. And to tell you the truth, people who are atheists or agnostic, most of us, we just don't really care um, about the differences. We just don't want to be bothered, right? So whatever I am, uh, I told him like, okay, I can give you the atheist point of view on uh, this, which is that if you come from the point of view that God is an invention of man, then of course uh, God is the creator. He's the answer to the fundamental question, who created everything? So since he's the creator, his fundamental power is he would create stuff. So um, he says, yes, but from his point of view, he doesn't see God as the creator. He sees God as the answer to like all of science's unanswerable problems. So this is like a really interesting guy. He's like a scientific guy. He's in. Uh, he's really into science and technology, and he's really into mathematics. But there's lots of things that cannot be answered by science or mathematics. Uh, like um, it's a uh, it's light uh particle or a wave, you know, there's tons of questions that science cannot answer uh, definitely, and he sees God as the answer to these things, so that is like a very abstract way of looking at God as compared to what we are used to most of the time, so I thought this guy was really interesting, but at the same time, I thought like, oh, he's kind of like, he's got all these crazy stories, and uh, not sure how much more I'm going to see him. But uh, it was interesting while we were at supper. All right, uh, enough about that. Uh, I'm sure I've rubbed a lot of you guys the wrong way already. On to the next topic. Right, so we were thinking of doing some traveling, me and my family. And I think that's been put on hold as well. Because uh, for the longest time, I thought like, you know, what with the coronavirus... I'm not sure. And uh, now I think my wife is starting to agree with me. Up until 
yesterday i think she was still very resistant she's like no don't worry you know you can't live in fear you know you just gotta not believe everything you read and she was still very hopeful still very wishful and now i think she's also starting to panic a little bit and uh, so i think we're not going anywhere probably for a while it's just uh you know the who has actually declared that it's a pandemic uh, pandemic is, uh, I wrote this down, this is, uh, pandemic is actually a worldwide spread of, an, of a new disease for which most people do not have immunity. So a pandemic is basically a worldwide epidemic, um, means the disease is spreading very fast, um, uh, we don't have an immunity against it, we haven't got a vaccine for it. So yeah, it's getting a bit, uh, getting a bit crazy out there. Uh, actually, I was preparing some notes for this podcast and I was going to talk about uh, how case number 26 was spreading, you know, and then up to that point, it was like, uh, there were like 40 over cases in Malaysia. And up until three days ago, there's 129 cases in Malaysia. And now this, when I mentioned that to my wife, my wife said like, um, well, actually, it's 149 cases this morning. I'm not sure whether that's a verified number, but uh, it wouldn't surprise me. In Singapore, there's more, and it's a small, much you know, much more contained uh, space, so a lot denser, uh, more infected per capita. Uh, in Singapore, they have 178, which is higher than Malaysia, and they're a smaller country, so that's really... Uh, we are not going to go to Singapore for a while. Um, in USA, there's over a thousand cases. Uh, Donald Trump, I think, has uh, said that the government will uh, suspend all travel from Europe, although I don't know how practical or how doable that is. Uh, but it's Donald Trump, you know, he says something and then you think like, oh, can it be done? And it's kind of 50-50. Sometimes he's able to do it. Sometimes he's not, right? And then you take it back and then you pretend like nothing happened and he didn't say it and all his supporters are going to be like, yeah, he didn't say it. He didn't mean it that way. So that's, yeah. Italy has over 10,000 cases. It's uh, pretty high. Uh, China, I don't know how many cases, like a lot. Uh, Iran has over 9,000 cases and more than 30 of their members of parliament are actually, uh, you know, actually have uh, the coronavirus. So that's really worrying for their government. Australia has over 120 cases, but Australia is behaving like it's the zombie apocalypse, right? On this, like this video that's pretty viral, uh, my friend sent to me, and it's uh, it's mentioned in the Australian, and it's a video of a few families in Sydney, in a Sydney supermarket, uh, fighting over toilet roll. Like uh, one lady was trying to get one packet of toilet paper. And she wasn't able to because she was outnumbered by this other family. And then they got into a fight. And then the other family just added the last packet of toilet paper into their trolley, which already had like 20 packets of toilet paper. Yes, the people are starting to get a bit crazy out there. So we, are think we were thinking of going to uh, the United States uh, actually in April, but I think we're going to cancel that because we, we are worried about the virus spreading and we are worried about racism as well. People are starting to uh, let their racism show a little bit because uh, 
basically all their hatred for China and Chinese people and Chinese tourists uh, are uh, showing up the, since, since this coronavirus, right? Yeah, and we don't want to deal with that kind of racism. I mean, we, we we're going to stay here and deal with the kind of racism that we're used to, the institutionalized racism of Malaysia. There is this interesting thing, though. Um, the New York Post has pictures of public spaces that are just empty because of the coronavirus. And it's sad to know that the virus is out there and it's affecting everyone. It's affecting uh, businesses, uh, service industry, tourism, and it's affecting the economy. It's keeping people at home. But at the same time, it's created all this kind of like unique scenery of public spaces that are just empty. And it could be that this is the only time in recent history or maybe even in history that we are able to see this kind of scenery. Like there was one of um, the Kaaba, you know, the big black box uh, that people visit for their Umrah, for their pilgrimage in, uh, in the Mecca's Grand Mosque. And it was just empty because the, the mosque uh, authorities had uh, emptied out the place to disinfect the whole place. And it was the first time we saw it and the floor was like full of white tiles, which I didn't even know about because until now, every picture I ever see of the Kaaba is just full of people. Like the whole ground around it is just covered with people, right? So I never even realized that they had white tiles. Um, so that was an interesting scene, and uh, there was all these photographs of people in uh, classrooms that were just empty. There was a lecturer in an empty lecture hall giving an online lecture, but that probably happens even without the coronavirus anyway. It's just like, it's just that we never thought to take that picture until now, right? When we're collecting a series of pictures of empty spaces. You, when you look at those pictures, it kind of, those pictures are kind of like beautiful in that they tell a story, um, although it's a sad story. And um, it reminds me a little bit of those scenes from movies, you know, like those uh, post-apocalyptic movies like The Omega Man or, you know, or um, 28 Days or, you know, any of the zombie movies where like uh, everyone's just in hiding. And I mean, the normal way of thinking is that this is temporary, you know, once the virus gets under control, everything will go back to normal. Everybody thinks that, right? But then there's also this thought that I had this morning, which was, what if this is the new normal, right? What if from now on, you only leave the house when you want to make supermarket runs and you make it quick, you have like a getaway driver, and then you run in there, buy everything you need within 15 minutes, get back in the car, and then you, you get back to your house where you're safe. And people are actually doing that right now. Some of my friends are doing that. And uh, yeah, what if from now on, this is what we do? You know, you just have to do everything from home, which as an introvert is maybe not such a scary idea for me, but I don't know, maybe it's uh, scary for other people. Like for my wife, it's not even 
it's the unthinkable because she's just waiting for this whole thing to be over so that she can continue going out to meet like 50 people a day, you know? Yeah, what if that's the new thing for us? What if, like, from now on, everything that you do has to be from home? You have to take online courses on how to defend yourself in a supermarket against someone armed with a 12-pack of toilet roll, you know? I don't know. So, uh, what else am I going to talk about today? There is... uh, I'm looking forward to going out, actually, this uh, weekend because we have friends visiting from uh, up north. And we are going rock climbing. We are going to go outdoors uh, this weekend. We'll be uh, we'll be climbing outdoors near Batu Caves, and it's gonna be fun. We have been climbing a lot. Uh, my son is really into rock climbing now, and he's actually climbing better than me, even though um, he's uh, much shorter than me. So he's still like really anxious to grow taller so he can climb more climbs, and. Uh, we're doing more of it, although I can't really keep up with him. He can climb, uh, rest for a day, and then climb again. I find like at most I can climb twice a week because uh, my body just can't take it. I need a few days to recover between each uh, climbing session. And I, I feel like I, I have this knee that's not very good. I feel like um, it's also because of years and years of just uh, inactivity. I've just been lazy. Uh, for many years and not doing much exercise and I feel like my hamstrings are really tight so I I'm trying to stretch out my hamstrings a bit but I'm also trying to uh, try and get my knee to be if I could get my knee to go back to normal you know I would feel so happy that's one thing that I'd really like to improve in my life I'm just looking for little things to improve in my life right now so um, like every little thing that I can improve I feel like uh, there's some there's some forward momentum and then I, I feel like there's something to look forward to right things are getting better uh, things are hopeful uh, and then I don't feel so sad uh, sometimes I feel like actually this past whole this whole week I felt really busy and sometimes I ask myself am I really busy or am I just being lazy am I just tired or am I just depressed? Because that's another thing I know is that um, I've never really been diagnosed with depression, but I suspect that I might have it. Um, my sister's always telling me, you know, you, you got to go and see a psychiatrist or, or a psychologist. And I haven't really done so, but uh, I feel like it's still a possibility. I might still do it. But sometimes... There'll be days that are better than others, right? I guess you could say that same thing for everyone. But at the same time, I also feel like, eh, I don't feel like I really need it. But then sometimes I feel like, oh, I, I think I see a symptom here. Like one symptom is the things that I don't like to do. I just put it off. And my lifestyle is such that my my routine and my lifestyle is such that I... I'm pretty high functioning right now where uh, if I have depression, I don't really know that I have it, but I can see sometimes that there are signs like the things that I don't like to do. I, I'm able to put it off for a long time without anyone noticing. Like one of the things is uh, reading emails. I totally hate going into my mailbox. I guess, every, I guess every, a lot of people do, right? 
but I really don't like it and I put it off until someone tells me, uh, can you check your email? Because I wrote you something and I'm like, okay. And then I would go into my email and I would, you know, just search for that particular email and reply to that because if I had to go through all the spam and all the email and just go through everything, I just don't think I have the energy to do it or the willpower. This is really a first world problem. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I can't do it. I just feel so overwhelmed by all the mail that has collected over the years. And I would go in there, look for one that I feel like, uh, okay, uh, I would deal with that and then I'll I'll put it away, you know. Um, yeah, this is not normal. So, busy, lazy, or depressed? I don't know. Um, I'm still trying to figure it out. I hope it's busy. <laughs> uh, anyway, I think that's it for today. Uh, like I said, Queens of Comedy is on tomorrow night. I won't be going to it because I'll, I will be at another comedy show. I'm actually opening for my good friends uh, Zainal Bustaman and Rizal Van Gezel at the Crack House Comedy Club, which is in Taman Tun Dr. Ismail. Uh, that's tomorrow night, uh, March the 13th. So you could choose between those two shows. Um, that's, I'm sure there's another show going on at the Joke Factory as well, and probably other shows uh, somewhere around town as well. But uh, those are the three main shows I know about. And so it's going to be a great Friday night, It's and I'm going to make sure that it is also a great day the rest of the day today. Um, it's still Thursday morning technically. So yeah, have a great day, have a great weekend, and I'll see you guys at the next podcast. Bye!